0: Effing Kit Kat. Effing <laughs> Kit Kat. What are you doing? Effing Kit Kat. You're about to go out and train. Effing Kit Kat.
1: Right, episode one, the ECS experience. Mr. White, he's, he's first on. We're going to be discussing how the Bogner boy became a man. I'm Paddy in 6th form. Sam Raj, do you want to introduce yourself? I'm Sam Raj. I'm also in 6th form. Me and Paddy's starting a new podcast. Right, Mr. White, introduce yourself.
0: I'm Mr. White, uh, head of football at Castle School. Um bit of a bit of a boy, Bogner boy. <laughs> um yeah, so we're gonna talk about uh how I got started in football. Exactly. So, Mr. White, how did you first get scouted into academy football? Scouted into academy football, um, all came about uh, a game that I played for my local side, Bognor Martlitz. Um, and we went on an end of season tour uh, to sunny Isle of Wight. And it was there where one of the Portsmouth FC scouts uh, noticed my ability, um, and it was soon after, after the game, after we got back from the tour phone call to my parents to invite me to come training for portsmouth um which i did every thursday um and things things went from there how did that feel to be noticed uh didn't really feel like anything at the time but i can remember being an arsenal fan the first actual competitive game i had to play for them um was was against arsenal Big game for you then, yeah. It was a big game for me, and uh, we would driven up on one of the, the days during half term. Uh, got to Arsenal's training ground to be greeted by a couple of my heroes, Tony Adams and Ian Wright. It was a while; George Graham was still the manager, uh, so I was a little bit in awe. Um, but then it was a slightly funny game because, as we're getting changed to go and play, um, a little bit of commotion between both of the coaches. Uh, We're all listed in what's going on, but it transpires that uh, there was a breakdown uh, in the communication beforehand, and this is before emails and stuff and organising fixtures. Um, We're playing the wrong team, so (laughs) I'm playing for the under 11s, and Arsenal are putting out their under 12 side. So we're playing the year above. So everyone's like, "Oh, not only are we playing Arsenal, but we're playing playing we're playing the older year group," and we we roundly got beaten. Um, if I recall, definitely got into double figures Ooh. it was something 12 we got one we got 12-1 but I felt good at the end of the game because it, He was delighted to be there I the was great to it? be there but I also got commended from the Arsenal coach as well where they come up to you at the end of the game and go oh, well done mate if it weren't for you it would have been 30 today so I played quite well that day in difficult circumstances but it was more my my commitment and desire throughout that then made me established over some of the people that were already there, given it was my first game and some of it was their third, fourth, fifth game. Um, I stood out because of a little bit of Bogner bite um, <laughs> and, and sticking with it at all times. Is that is that what they noticed
1: first when you were being scouted or was it your ability?
0: Uh, I think I did have a, a, a certain amount of ability, but I, I think I had more uh, hunger and desire more than anything else. Um, I didn't... And this is again in the 90s football, I didn't shy out of a tackle no. uh, and it was uh, I can imagine uh, it's not something that p- would probably get me spotted in the current day. Made for the wrong reasons yes. these days. Yes, yes. I'd have had a career in the 80s, <laughs> not quite now. Um, so when when you were sort of
1: growing up in the academy, sort of our age, 15, 16, 17, wherever, how did like you being in academy affect your, your academics, and how did you deal with the pressures that many people at the school are going through You know, this sort of time as well? Again,
0: it's, it's moved on in the sense that we didn't have things like day release when yeah. I was in an academy, so you didn't have to take a day off of school um, and then you have to catch up on that day to, to have your studies. Yeah. Um, you say pressure, I didn't really... It didn't feel pressurised in any way. It was a, a commitment on time, to have to be away a Tuesday evening and a Thursday evening to do the training. Um, But, you know, I'm not going to shed myself in some great light here, but catching up on work didn't really affect me because I just didn't catch up on work. Yeah, Um, it was all football. It was all football. And, you know, probably wrongly when I did get offered the contract and Portsmouth said to me, and this was at the end of year 10, Course, said to me, We're going to have you, you're going to be with us at the end of year 11, we're going to give you a YTS contract at 16. Um, I completely then switched off from uh, academic life. If you could go back, would you? Like, I, yeah, if YTS, I could go back, uh, I would. I was very fortunate in that I did switch off from academic life, but I turned up for the exams in June and July and was able to yeah. secure. Secure reasonable enough grades. Not the best grades I could have, but I, I managed to uh, you know get my Cs in English, Math, Science, uh, and I got Cs. What you needed. Yeah. I got what I needed, but um, you know there were probably others in in my peer group at Portsmouth who didn't get what they needed, and you know have had, had suffered the consequences of that. On, yeah, yeah. On how did football. It, How did your peer group at school find it? Seeing that you're going to become this professional footballer. And Did they think you, you were better than them? Or were you quite grounded? Uh, I think I was... I'd like to think I was quite grounded. Uh, I don't think... And you were probably, giving it the big round school. No, I didn't. <laughs> and and I, I think that maybe be to my detriment a, a little bit. I, when I look back on my career and the reasons for my career ending, um, not having a little bit of an arrogant streak yeah. and, and being uh, a, a big-time Charlie... Uh, hindered me, I think. It, the it, ones that were a bit yes, arrogant, they they made it. Yes, they they do. You need to have, it. and it's it isn't. I, I don't like the word arrogant, but there is there's a fine line between confidence over confidence, then bordering in to yeah, arrogance. Yeah, but yeah, you, you you look at all the best players currently playing in the Premier League, and they all have a little bit of a something if, about them, a, a nasty streak in yeah. them, and you. Unfortunately, I'm not nasty. I'm too nice. No, of course nice. So with all those positives, I'm sure there were some funny moments throughout. So
1: what's one that sticks in your head still today?
0: Um, one that sticks in my head, uh, everyone's obviously very familiar with Harry Redknapp and how much of a, a, a superstar uh, he is now. Um, one of my memories of him, though, or probably his memories of me, and one and only memory of me, before I was completely discarded from the first team, uh, action was a morning where I was slightly flagging going into training. Um, I hadn't probably lived the professional lifestyle the night before. Regular occurrence? Uh, no, not a regular occurrence. But <laughs> well, on this occasion, I was I was on time for training, but I needed a little bit of energy, so I, I snuck up to the canteen above the changing rooms uh, before training. I was sneaking uh, a quick cup of tea. Uh, before going out to do my my, my duties, um, you know that would be a big no no even in today's game. Tea being a diuretic and dehydrating, uh, but I needed something to to, to, to wake me up. Um, the tea wasn't quite doing the trick, so uh, I got myself a Kit Kat as well from the vending machine. Um, again, in a professional football club, the vending machine wouldn't be there to this day. So I might you know if I was to live my life again in today's uh, climate, I. I wouldn't have made this mistake, but I got a Kit Kat um, and I was dipping the Kit Kat into the cup of tea before five minutes before training uh, and Harry Redner... Not best pleased. He wasn't best <laughs> pleased. I, I saw him come up and I sort of turned, I swiveled around in, in, in the chair to hide my back to him, but he, he saw it straight away and it, there was a few swear words. Um, <laughs> um, a very... Prominent swear word beginning with F that I'm sure you could imagine. He repeated over and over with Kit Kat afterwards. Effing <laughs> Kit Kat. Effing Kit Kat. What are you doing? Effing Kit Kat. You're about to go out and train. Effing Kit Kat. <laughs>
1: well, amongst all the um, all of the swear words and uh, the abuse you received off of mm. uh, the lad Harry Redknapp. Um, what what was your like your your sort of best memory from either playing or just being around sort of professional environment for the the years you were? Um,
0: uh, looking back now, uh, you don't realise it at the at the time, but the best moment was to get up in the morning and play football, and that be your living. I I woke up in the morning, I got into training, I got my kit on, I went and played football for two hours, and then. I was getting paid for doing that, and I didn't realize it at the time. And there were moments where oh, I'd be out there, and I, I'd rather be anywhere else but football training. But now I realize that I wouldn't rather be anywhere yeah, else than yeah, football yeah. training. When I'm teaching year twelve A level, <laughs> and they're all <laughs> looking at me with, you know, with their tongues hanging out, and oh, what's going on, sir? And I do realize then that I, yeah, I was wrong at 18 to think I'd not want to be football trainer. I'd rather be football training than well, yeah. teaching. It's uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing to... you got to a match do that, do that sticks in. out in your head? A match that sticks out in my head. Oh, do, 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 do. Southern Junior Floodlit Cup Final. Big game. Um, Portsmouth under-18s versus Wolves under-18s at Molyneux. Um, Portsmouth had never won anything at youth team level. Uh, this was... I mean, it, it doesn't sound... Southern Junior Floodlit Cup <laughs> Final doesn't sound very... <laughs> Uh, enticing, but it was was a big competition at that time. Um, and Wolves had players like um, the Lescott brothers. You know, Joe yeah, Lescott. Yeah, he yeah. had a brother, a twin brother as well. That didn't quite make the grade, but they were a good side. Um, and the match went to penalties. Match went to penalties, and then got to five all in the penalty shootout. Obviously, me being a tough tackling midfielder, I wasn't in the original five to take the penalties. Um, and I was hoping it was going to be resolved one way or another before it got to my turn but it hadn't it got to 5 or I'd actually rather Wolves have won it um, so it didn't have to take so one, to take one. <laughs> and then 5-5 five, five, and then it became 6-6 six, six. I got to all the way to 7th and I stepped up uh, slotted the penalty home of course i say I slotted it did. home the keeper <laughs> got a big touch the keeper should have saved it he didn't we then they took their next penalty our keeper saved it, Rob Hannam, Irishman. went <laughs> to wild celebrations and a very fun coach journey all the way Big back. Big night to on the Wales. town after, to celebrate. Yes. The winning <laughs> penalty, Mr. White. The winning penalty, yeah. I made the back page of the Portsmouth Evening News. thought what we all oh. aspire to, um, to reach. <laughs> I don't know where that clipping is, but my mum's probably got it somewhere. So she did save some of the, the, the things that used to happen.
1: Well considering you know all all the highs from from your 18s football how did it feel once you know you got dropped and and that was it you know that this was your whole life and then it's it's, it slipped away from you?
0: Yeah as I say it's I was fortunate in that I did have the grades so I did uh have a few seasons of pottering around shall I say I uh I still played amateur football yeah semi-professional football but that's not training every day. That's then. Um, oh, I've got to go and do some work for a living. Um, and I, I found some of the employment that I, I got into uh, was not not for me. It didn't. It wasn't stimulating. So fortunately, with my grades, I was able to then go to university as a as a yeah. mature student uh, to enable me to get into this routeway way because. Um, Box packing, uh, which is what I was doing. Uh, not very uh, exhilarating. Wasn't very very exhilarating. It's all fast box on on a conveyor belt line. Um, not fun at all.
1: How was well sort of in between that? I remember you talking about before. You, you went you went to America for a bit and uh, had a little a little tour of America. Yeah, I did have
0: a little tour of America again. That's um, uh, was. I view it as a lot of bad luck. Um, I'm a bit of a Jonah. I've, I, I seem to have ended up after Portsmouth ended badly. Yeah. Um, I, I, I had an uncle who lived in Canada, and he said, "Come over and play for." We got a new franchise. If you anyone's familiar with American sport franchises, they start up in different places. And the, the town he lived in, which is in Edmonton, in near the Rocky Mountains, he said, "We've got a franchise coming. A new soccer franchise coming over." Why don't you have a go at try, You know, playing for them, and when I went over and played for them, um, it was professional still. It wasn't as much as I'd been been paid, but it was still being a professional footballer. Uh, but unfortunately, they soccer didn't really take off in Edmonton. It's a big ice hockey town, um, and the the male soccer was inferior to, to female soccer over in Canada. Um, they just weren't generating any money. No crowds. In fact, the the men's football was the warm up act for the the, the girls coming on afterwards, where the stadiums were full, but the men's stadiums were empty. Um, and about two, three months into my American American dream, um, the the club had, had folded, and I was there over in the states. And what am I going to do now? Sort of thing. So a little gap here. I took a little gap here <laughs> and uh, hired a hired a car and just toured America for went and lived. Part of, yeah, a, so part of a year, but wasted all my money in the in that period. As every student should. As every student should. should. Yeah, <laughs> the, the final destination of my American tour, funnily enough, was Las Vegas. It all ended there, and it all <laughs> ended That's a good <laughs> story, thing. So, how do you deal with it now? Do you live back at regret, or do you look back at it positively? You know? Um, a mixture. Uh, there are a lot of positive bits that, that that I still look back on, but I do still look back on. With, with some bitterness in certain regards particularly when I, I still to this day see people that I used to play with playing on TV and I think oh, I'm still I'm better than that person I'm better than that <laughs> person I still think that um, but yeah mostly it was a positive experience yeah. Does it you know serious, does it seriously affect your
1: mental health because it, it would you know some people I think it's important to talk about it as well. Or um, f- well, has it done in? in it's previous? not something
0: I've actually really. I've not broached this subject. No, I've, I've not. But with the prevalence of mental health in the media, um, I would say there were periods, probably on leaving Portsmouth, where my mental health did did suffer. Yeah. And actually, um, when I look back on what the the club did for me, probably was not was not enough. And uh, given that I'd been there since eleven years old. And then left at 23 years old, um, and just to get up and walk out the door and, and that was it. not go back. But yeah, there was there was no aftercare yeah, or yeah, yeah. phone calls or anything to see how you were getting on or any route ways to see to get you into to employment. It was, okay, you're a professional footballer, we love you, we love you, we love you. Then next day, next day, you're out we're, the door. we're not, you're out the door, um, and you're, you're fending for yourself. Where actually, as a professional footballer, they, you have everything done for you. you know, yeah. Like, players coming over to the Premier League particularly players that are not native English speakers will come over and they'll just have their lives taken care of they'll have someone look out they'll get up a house they'll get this yeah, that yeah, yeah. and the other they'll have a chef they'll have everything you could want so you can just go in on the morning and focus on football training and everything is done for you and then when the club don't want you anymore and that's all taken away it's it's a it's a quite daunting experience well so, you, you'd like to think that that's, that's changed now it, you, you would like to think it's changed and I think with the, the vast amount of money that's involved in the game, you would think it has changed, but... Yeah. Um, the, the
1: academy pressures what, yeah. still seem to be the what same. What advice
0: would you give kids in our school, especially who are playing professional sport in all, cricket, football or rugby? Um, I, I think the advice you'd have to be aware of, of, of how cutthroat the business is, it's, it's you have to have a plan B, you need a plan B, it's yes you want to be confident and go into it thinking I am going to be the man I'm going to do everything to be the man but you have to have a root way knowing that it's all going to end one day
1: right thank you very much Mr White you're welcome really appreciate it take care that's our first ECS experience yeah it's all done hope you enjoyed it thank you very much for listening and uh